0: Everybody and welcome to the Aggieville Alleycats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside
1: Connor Baltazar,
0: and welcome to a very special Ask the Alleycats episode in celebration of us getting 1,000 followers on Twitter. So thank you to all of you who follows us, follows, or followed us on Twitter. It's really funny because the moment we got one thousand followers it maybe took us three hours to get like a thousand fifty
1: <laughs> yeah we really zoomed past a thousand there at the end because that was right when we started tweeting about baseball a lot and so we just got a lot of baseball adjacent folks to follow us plus the uh, Kansas like rural development like association <laughs> or whatever. don't know why they followed us, but happy to have you <laughs>
0: right. well, welcome, I guess. <laughs> But yeah, we have actually have quite a few Q&A questions to go over here. Really nice set of questions, despite this actually maybe some of my my favorite set of questions that we've got from a Q&A, uh, maybe except for the the postseason Q&A a year ago. That was a really fun one. But we'll just dive straight in. The first set of questions is from John Grove, one half of the excellent Shake and Blake podcast. Go and check them out. We review for them. They're they're awesome at what they do. They, they're they similar to us, cover a lot of sports. But the first question from him is, what sport would be funniest to add a mandatory amount of alcohol to? So I'm taking this from the perspective of this has to be both for fans and participants. And there, there are two ways that you could go here. Funny and harmless and funny and harmful. I'm going to go funny and slightly harmless And I'm actually going to change up the answer to, uh, like, because Connor and I naturally talk about questions, like, in passing before the episode, just to, you know, kind of get a general idea so we're not meandering the entire episode, like we're kind of doing now. But uh, I I say we, me. I'm going to go with drunk rugby. Can you imagine just people absolutely blasted playing rugby and the fans are blasted as well? Well, are, Are they not already? (laughs) well the fans it might not be a change but the the players may be a little different
1: no yeah that that would probably be a little bit different i did see a really funny clip of rugby a few days ago where some fan was yelling at a guy who like set the ball up for a kick and he said like you're like leaning too far right you need to compensate left and then he did and the kick went in and the fan like like gave him like a lot of credit for it. Or the <laughs> the, the player gave the fan a lot of credit. I just thought it was funny that he yeah, like, took the time to actually hear this like fan, and the fan was right of all things. But <laughs> I think that's a good pick.
0: Yeah. All right. What about you, Connor?
1: Um, I went through a few. I was torn between and I also I did take this from the perspective of it being the participants that are consuming a mandatory amount of alcohol. And I was torn between F1 racing and alpine skiing, and both would definitely be harmful as opposed to to your perspective of slightly to mostly harmless. Like the only people getting harmed would probably be the participants in the actual sport. Whereas with mine, like there may actually be fatalities like in the spectators. (laughs) So there may
0: be a few strays caught.
1: Yeah, literally and figuratively. But um, I, I, I think I'm leaning alpine skiing here uh i have no real reason for that um other than i just think that'd be kind of funny to think about but i f1 racing would be a really good pick as well of course uh, adding a mandatory amount of alcohol to very difficult driving (laughs) (laughs) uh that, that that's my perspective right now
0: yeah if if you're one of those people that watches racing for the crashes that would
1: you would have a kick in my version of f1 like (laughs) you would you would have the time of your life watching my style of f1 racing
0: you'd be eating good (laughs) (laughs) uh next question from john grove is would you rather be known as a coach who's a great recruiter or a great strategist see to me this if my dream job would be an offensive coordinator or like a scouting analyst so i I don't want to be a head coach so this one is actually pretty obvious to me because I'd rather be a great strategist as an offensive coordinator and just kind of let let the offense speak for itself. And and of course, this is assuming that if you're great at one, you're terrible at the other. Maybe it's just like you're great at one and okay at the other. But I don't want to be a coordinator. So I that seems like a pretty clear answer to me.
1: I I went back and forth on this. Um, cause I think as a head coach, I think being known as just one of those things is indicative of you probably not being a fantastic head coach or at the very least being so deficient in one area that it limits you from reaching like the full potential of the other. Um, like you you can think about Eli Drinkwitz who's known as a fantastic recruiter, an elite recruiter even, but probably the opposite of a great strategist
0: oh he's a terrible strategist he sucks yeah
1: <laughs> and there's a uh, plenty of really great strategist coaches that suck at recruiting that are able to get a lot out of a little but you can only take that so far and at some point Jimmy's and joes are going to compensate and the best teams have coaches that are great at both of those things but if i had to pick one i'd probably pick strategist Um, just because I think a great strategist can get further than solely a great recruiter. Mm. Like, I, I, I think that a team like that would be more consistently pretty good, um, as opposed to a great recruiter where you're probably going to have like some flash in the pan seasons. But if like one season, the wheels fall off and everything is just done like at that point. So I think I'm leaning great, great strategist, um, in that regard. So I think we agree there. Yeah.
0: Thank you, John. Next question is cowpoke Cats fan. Uh, maybe not in your wheelhouse, but I'd love to hear an opinion nonetheless. The K State marching band is supposedly getting new uniforms this next semester. Do you have any design choices that you think would look especially good? I, I'm not creative when it comes to to uniforms, but the the idea that I came up with was to invert the colors. So white primary with purple accents as opposed to purple uh primary white accents that that was my big
1: idea um one thing i know this isn't like practical for like 90 percent of the games but like um i do really like the uh black ponchos that the band has i think that they look really cool that that's it i know this is not answering your question at all but like, <laughs> that, like that that's my my main comment on it i guess if you wanted like an actual like design input i think aces is pretty good um but other than that i never really had a major issue with the uh Uh, the uniforms i guess Uh, maybe i just didn't look closely enough at the uniforms but i do i do like those ponchos um for rainy days or maybe snowy days as well um but beyond that i'm not 100 percent sure uh what differences to make because i'm just not super knowledgeable in what the uh fashion trends are in the marching band sphere so Maybe maybe somebody can answer that for us and, and let us in on some uh, like what's next up in the marching band world for uniform design.
0: Yeah. So that is thank you from uh, Cowpoke Cats. Next up is from Sarah, who designed our logo and definitely nothing else. Uh, if you could have a current K-State athlete play another sport, who would you choose and why? Uh, I'll let you go first for this one because I've kind of been hogging the firsts here.
1: I did tell her before this that I did have a really good answer for a former. Um, I would have wanted Xavier's need to be a wide receiver because I'm pretty sure he was a pretty highly regarded receiver recruit at a high school as well. I might be making that up, but I seem to remember him like being like an all state receiver or something like that out of St. Louis, but a current guy um, Keontae Johnson, a tight end is in the bad pick, uh, GDOBAs uh, he was a fantastic basketball player, uh, up in Minnesota. Um, he's just a true freshman right now. So maybe throw him out there on the basketball court. Don't know if he's the type of big that Drum Tang wants. Cause he's like 6'6, 250. So he's more of like a Mack truck than yeah. like a rim runner, <laughs> but maybe drum Tang could find a use for him since he's incredibly athletic. Other than that. Avery Johnson was all-state basketball. Um, he, I think was all-state baseball as well. Yeah. Uh, so maybe you can find a use for him. um the baseball diamond if Pete Hughes is willing because they definitely they, they, they can maybe use the help sometimes. but um I don't know there's a, a there's a few solid uh choices for a current athletes.
0: yeah. uh for me, I'm I'm not going for effectiveness. I'm going for hilarity. and I'm going to pick Uso Sayamalo to play baseball. And every single time he goes up, I'm just going to scream from the stands. His name is Big Vi, and he hits dingers. <laughs> like him swinging the bat, it genuinely may look like a toothpick. Like he's swinging just a toothpick for
1: him.
0: He's a big
1: man. And I would expect a 1,000 slugging percentage from that man.
0: Like he's either striking it out or he's hitting it to the football stadium. There's no
1: in-between. I, like, I would have high expectations for... For power hitting Uso uh, on the baseball diamond.
0: And if he collects walks, he's actually pretty fast. Like, he is shockingly fast. We remember seeing that because he was in like for some like some weird snaps up against Oklahoma State. Gunnar Gundy ends up coming out of the pocket. And Samalo <laughs> is like one inch behind him at a
1: full sprint. He is disturbingly quick for being like 6'3", 340. Like that... No human being of that size should move with the swiftness that Uso moves with. And that genuinely left a mark on me. I, I, I'm i very concerned for my safety.
0: <laughs> and you're not even his target.
1: No. No, I, I'd i be afraid of getting caught in the crossfire because what's going to stop him? <laughs> <laughs> like nothing.
0: There's nothing on this earth that's going to stop Uso Samalo. Yeah, I... Thank you for that question. Next up is Punished Caleb. Uh, Who would Ace and Connor's ideal ads to the next round of realignment be, if any? And how many teams would you get to before you consider it too many? Connor, I know you love realignment and your spreadsheets, so take it away.
1: I really hope it doesn't come to the point that I have to make another one. Every time we make a
0: spreadsheet, a conference nearly dies.
1: Yeah. Maybe if we make a mega spreadsheet, the Pac-12 will disintegrate. Like maybe we're just not making them big enough. That that could be the problem. But I'll answer the second question first. How many teams uh, I think is too many? Uh, it's probably sixteen. I think that's kind of the commonly accepted. Like probably shouldn't go past that for a conference because at some point it just kind of loses its meaning. I mean, even the pro conferences don't go past sixteen like, no. <laughs> for their leagues. Uh, I. I think at this point the Arizonas are pretty obvious takes. Um, I think a lot of fans are pretty sour on Utah uh, and their fan base. I as am I, and as are most people with brains, unlike the Utah fans. So <laughs> I, if the, I, I'll put it like this, if they were a pretty, if they were a an actual financial ad, like if they would add value to the conference, then I would take Utah. Um, but. If we didn't take them, I certainly would not be heartbroken. Um, Colorado would be a take it or leave it. Again, if they add value or if they bring some great benefit to the Big 12, then sure. But if not, that's whatever. Um, Definitely take the Arizonas, I think. Those are obvious takes at this point. If they want to come, I think we should take them. And then beyond that, I think you're looking at if the ACC falls apart, which... Doesn't seem likely because I think their grant of rights is pretty strong. But if something ends up happening with them, because talks with the ACC have been all over the place the last few weeks, there's been stuff about Pac-12 mergers. There's been stuff about them poaching the Pac-12. There's been stuff about Florida State trying to leave. Like I, I don't think anybody really knows how the ACC is doing. Um, My general opinion is that their contract really sucks which is everybody's opinion because their contract does suck. They're getting completely lowballed by ESPN. They're locked into that contract for another like 13 years and they're, they're kind of screwed on that front, which it is what it is. Um, But if we could potentially get some ACC schools to fall into our lap, great. I doubt that happens. But other than that, skim the top of the G five, see if there's any value there. And if not, then just stop at 14 Um, and don't, don't feel the pressure to add teams just to add teams um and take the arizona's and then any other pac-12 schools washington and oregon vet them pretty hard really make sure they want to be there because the last thing you want to do is add them and then they just start to the big 10 immediately because that i think would be pretty bad for the big 12 because then we just kind of look like a stopgap between like larger conferences and it really i think harm the image of the conference but at least consider them like kick some tires around on them, but I don't imagine that going anywhere. It seems like the airs if anything happens, the Arizona seem to be the most realistic. But yeah. ideal ideal, I'd love to add Oregon and Washington. Like if it was possible competition wise.
0: Yeah. I for me the ideal was I'm I'm not I'm not really too interested in Oregon and Washington just because I think they'd be kind of mercenaries. I'd be looking more for general like culture fits that happen to add value. So I'd probably end up adding both of the zonas, and then I'd add Memphis and Louisville, just because I think that would be, I I, I think that you know you, getting the Memphis market and the Tennessee market and the the Louisville market, I should say. You know, I know that they're universities, so they're not going to command the most of those markets, but it's still entering that. Plus, I think they're much better culture fits than like a Colorado or a or an Oregon or a Washington or definitely not a Utah. Uh, if Utah were to join the conference, I wouldn't be angry about it because that would make the Holy War a an in-conference rivalry. That's pretty much the only reason I could make myself OK with it. I would just have to mute a lot of, of Utah fans on Twitter, which, by the way, a complete aside. Uh, Muting is like the block button, but they don't get the satisfaction of thinking they won. So the mute button is vastly superior to the block button
1: on Twitter. I 100% agree with that. Blocking is cowardly, I think. I mean, I get if you do it, that's fine. But I'm a mute guy myself because I think blocking um, does give too much satisfaction to the other side because then they really know that they got to you. Just mute and stop replying and that's even better because then the other people they don't know they've been muted and they just tweet into the void (laughs) that makes it all the funnier
0: like a whole three people are seeing their tweets so yeah yeah that's a tangent on why the mute button is superior to the block button because it gives them no satisfaction
1: (laughs) yeah yeah, because that's super super relevant but
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i that's kind of yeah i and i i do agree with you 16 is getting to I honestly think 16 honestly might be even a little bit too much.
1: I, I, yeah, it's definitely getting to the point of being uh, too much. I think um, 14 is an interesting spot. I feel like in a perfect world, 12 is enough. But then again, you know, with the way conferences have been going, uh, it, conferences are just getting inherently larger at this point. I would yeah. prefer if I could be king for a day, I would make like a rule and like reinstitute conferences as they were in like 1996, <laughs> and, like just change everything back to the like how it was before, like media deals Money. got so big, uh, which is gonna I feel like come back to bite the sports industry because I think that I I don't know I I feel like live sports like the value is just not going to continue to go up like in perpetuity. So, um, and it, it seems like that's kind of already starting to show with the Pac 12 because their value was kind of plummeted. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this other than I wish that the Big 12 was the conference of old, but instead, there's not a lot of the original members remaining like Kansas schools, Iowa State, uh, Oklahoma State. That's it, I think. Yeah, I think. No, because Tech was a later add. Tech was added in 96, I think, with the uh, uh, Southwest Conference Schools, which would have been Jeez. all the Texas. Yeah. There's
0: not many left. But on that depressing note, next yeah. <laughs> thank you, Caleb. <laughs> uh, next questions are from Scott Wildcat. First one, what is the one topic ever present among K-State fans online that you will always hop in with an opinion? And what is that one that you are tired of constantly seeing people argue about? Um, I'm not one to really give my opinion on a whole lot. That's kind of like at least on Twitter, I kind of save that for the pod. And the the one thing that I feel like I've mentioned a disproportionate amount of times, like outside of a joking concept. So like moving X guy to defensive tackle, that one we constantly bring up as a joke because we refuse to entertain it as a serious like status. I'd say the thing is the the K State offensive coordinator, and it's kind of swung back and forth to where I was one of, I'm not going to say one of the few, but I was definitely some, one of the more vocal critical voices of Courtney Messingham, uh, and now I'm one of the more vocal defenders of Colin Klein, even though he's pretty popular. Uh, I I'm more the person who gets kind of annoyed whenever people are like, "Oh, it's basically the same offense." No, it's not. It's absolutely not. And it's not close. And the all the only words that I have to say to explain to you the key difference is option routes. And that's that's the main difference. But I don't know. I don't really get myself involved with like Twitter arguments because I think they're stupid. Um and no one no one wins a Twitter argument. Everyone just gets angry and dumber. Um, but yeah <laughs> I, I that's kind of the thing that I get tired of people arguing about as well, is like the OC, like, and, and of course the move in to defensive tackle, but I never take that seriously. So,
1: yeah, I'm I'm pretty similar to you in that I don't really hop into Twitter arguments very often. Generally, because I do think that most of them are dumb and kind of pointless and petty, and they don't really get anywhere or do anything, and they're kind of circular. Um, I I enjoy seeing them occasionally. But I, I generally observe from like 30,000 feet and don't really interact too much on them. But one thing I do really get annoyed with seeing, which I haven't seen as much of it as of late, uh, but we spent pretty much the whole year uh, still talking about Bruce and I am so sick and tired of hearing about Bruce Weber, like leave him to the past. He's a big 10 network analyst now being a grandpa. Who cares? Leave him in the past. Let the past die, and we are successful now. And we don't have to talk about Bruce anymore. Yeah. Like, just just let that end. Yeah. And i I do think that is starting to really fall to the wayside. But there are, I know, a few times I think after uh, some losses, uh, especially earlier in the season, that I saw some Bruce commentary come up at least a little bit. Um, but it's been getting less common. It feels like. So hopefully you don't see that as much. But I I got really tired of just the fan base complaining about Bruce, not because it isn't it's like invalid or anything, but because I really just think we need to collectively move. Stop. On. Yeah. like Like we we need to collectively move on because I think it it it's just silly, I think, to stay hung up on it. It's a waste of time. We're we're in a different era now. So
0: yeah, until he comes back yeah. to be to become the coach of the women's basketball team.
1: That is Ace and I's current conspiracy theory, like nuclear scenario for the women's basketball team, which I would simply just laugh if that happened. I think that would be absolutely funny. I think it would be hilarious because I do think there'd be a massive meltdown if it happened. Uh I think it'd just be really funny.
0: the thing is, I think the meltdown would come from the people who don't even watch women's basketball.
1: (laughs) That is actually that that is actually true. I do think most people that would melt down about it would not watch a single game, but they also probably have never watched a game. So it ultimately would not matter. The people that like already watch would probably continue. So that really change a whole lot. I imagine But I think the reaction would be funny. It obviously won't happen but what what (laughs) What if it does that would be i would laugh i would just sit back and watch k-state twitter set itself on fire over and over just self-immolation to the highest degree and i would just chuckle because there's really nothing else i think you can do in that situation other than laugh
0: yeah uh Next question from Scott Wildcat. How, if at all, were your fandom of college athletics change if and when athletes become employees of the athletic department and they aren't required to be students? So, I mean, the the way that I kind of take this question is like they're playing here and they're not required to be students. And I'm going to be honest, like I, I don't, it's not really going to affect my opinion that much because like I, like I. I don't want to be that guy that's like they're not here to play school because I do think the student part of like student athlete is very important especially for like non-rev sports but like at the same time I, I like for example I can't name to you any of the members of the all academic big 12 team from any of the any of the sports I can name you the all big 12 team for just about any like on the field part of it. But I think that kind of speaks to the hierarchy of most fans. So like, I, I yeah, it would be kind of sad because I think that this whole student part of it is a big part of athletics in college. At the same time, it's not going to affect my opinion of the players or really of the sport itself. If, like they're not required to go to class anymore.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like it would be unlikely for it to get to the point where they're required or where they're not like having to like take classes at the very least. Maybe it would change to them not having to be like full time, but they have to meet like a smaller credit limit. Sure. But like, even if that did happen, I don't think it would really change my opinion. Uh, Cause I feel like, especially for revenue sports, they, Pretty much are employees, I think, de facto, like they're not being paid, but to me, it feels like that in terms of the revenue they generate and the amount of time they spend working on the on-field performance, especially for revenue sports, uh, is significant enough to where I do think that they'll probably be considered employees, I think, at some point, and they'll probably be allowed to create athletes unions. and. Boy, that's a good or a bad thing? I'm not going to delve into because I really just don't want to dive down the like athlete unionization too <laughs> far. Yeah, I really don't want to open the unionization can of worms right now. And ruffle <laughs> feathers. That's just not something I'm interested in doing on this very pleasant afternoon. But, um, regardless, I whatever happens in that regard, as long as the athletes like love K State and enjoy being a K state and in the Manhattan community and are good people, that's probably not going to change my opinion of them. It maybe will be a little bit strange to think of it at the beginning where like they're not taking classes, but like they're part of the university, but they're like not students. So that might be a little bit strange to think about, but like, eh, I, it's not the biggest deal in the world. And that also may only be for revenue sports. I mean, sit here and think about I don't know rowing or golf or something like like they'll get partial scholarships and like probably really get a lot out of the education and they also probably are not practicing anywhere near as much as the revenue sports are so you know like they're they're there a lot more I think for the uh, athletic opportunity but I don't know there's so many complex issues to weigh In regards to that, I might take a sports lock class next fall, so maybe I'll learn more about this. Uh, We'll see. Maybe I won't at all. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I won't. I don't know. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll see, I guess. Depends on how hard I try, I guess. But um, I... I don't know. All I know is that that's going to be an interesting question. That's definitely going to be coming up a lot more here in the future. And IL is probably only the first step in in that regard. But just to say, maybe nothing will happen at all. Maybe nothing will change.
0: Yeah, who knows? Uh, next up, this isn't a question. It's a demand. Say something mean about each other. No. The thing is with it. No. The, the <laughs> thing is with this is that like, Genuinely, anything that I would have to say that's like would be considered mean about Connor would be so ridiculously superficial that it's almost like doesn't matter. That's very nice of
1: you to say. Now, I I did make a list for the mean things I have to say about you, though. (laughs) I'm joking, but no, I I I refuse. Sorry, I I refuse to give into your demand. However, (laughs) we have a compromise. If you can get us. (laughs) I mean, whenever the show ends, if you can get us the Manhattan Brewing Company and uh, Charlie Hustle sponsorships, we'll consider saying something mean. We will will consider the
0: likelihood of those are the terms
1: on the table. the,
0: The likelihood of that happening and the likelihood of us saying something mean to each other and being serious about it on the show are about the same.
1: Yeah, that is also true. So this is basically us just saying no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
0: Uh yeah. Next up is probably the it, it it was definitely the question that got the most traction from others on Twitter including uh, I think Joel, uh Casey Fan, you know, Jimmy, and it, it definitely got a little bit of traction. I think it's a great question.
1: Yeah, probably the most interaction I've ever seen uh with a question asked to us i think yeah uh, from others
0: oh yeah other than maybe like the questions that we indirectly answered like on non-q and a is like who do you want for the next oc job like stuff like that but yeah right, right, right. Uh, for basketball rank all the possible achievements and the value it would hold for you and the achievements are natty final four appearance and loss elite eight and loss Sweet sixteen in loss, round of thirty-two in loss, round of sixty-four in loss, Dayton and loss, NIT champs, Big Twelve tournament champs, and Big Twelve regular season champs. This is one that I think Connor and I very much agree with. So we can kind of go through each one individually. We can start from the bottom. Do you want to start from the bottom or top?
1: Um You start at the bottom, yeah. And okay. start there.
0: So I I think the very bottom of this one would be Dayton and loss just because I yeah. eh.
1: Making the first four is just so bleh. I feel like I mean, if granted, if you want, if you make it to the first four and then go on a run and like actually make it through uh, some of the tournament, then like that's actually pretty cool. But that doesn't happen a lot. I feel like I think Oregon State did it a couple years ago. They like had a horrible season went on a crazy run in their conference tournament and then went to like the elite eight or something like that (laughs) uh definitely didn't deserve to be there but they just kind of went on a hot streak out of absolutely nowhere won like eight or nine in a row Mm -hmm. but that doesn't happen much k-state was in the playing games a few years ago we beat wake forest by like seven then lost to cincinnati by like ten or so and it was just eh. like it's just such a blah thing like who cares honestly if i'm making the first four probably shouldn't even be a thing that exists yeah great it's it's an interesting enough event it's cool it's a nice lead-in to the actual tournament which is nice that they do have that in that respect but it just doesn't really mean a whole lot like at all so it's 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 whatever yeah especially getting there and losing yeah getting there has got to be deflating like you barely make the tournament Play and then you got to go to Dayton, Ohio, and then you just lose. <laughs> yeah, jeez.
0: Uh, next for me was the round of sixty-four appearance and loss, just because I I kind of view it similarly to Dayton. Like, yeah, you made the tournament, you didn't really do anything
1: though. <laughs> yeah, a round of sixty-four appearance and losing, and uh, especially as a higher seed, really sucks because you spend the whole year building to get to the tournament and then go out in the first round. That that really hurts um KZ did that back in the 2019 season um and that was super painful after the big 12 championship um but man other than yeah you know, i that, it's a pretty rough uh way to go way, rough way to end your season because you just make it to the away tournament and then just don't do anything it yeah. obviously is a little bit better than making it to the first four and losing but pretty marginal i'd say especially if you get upset by like a smaller team because then you just get made fun of like i think virginia that, that, is
0: still catching strays they, that happened like four or five years yeah, ago
1: yeah which is funny because they did come back the next year and win the national title like they really had a duality of man moment with uh with with those uh two years back to back they did help us significantly though that we could not have asked for like a more lucky draw in the second round after winning as a nine seed on the eight nine <laughs> line, play the only sixteen seed to ever win a game in the NCAA tournament. So, that that was definitely lucky. But what are you gonna do? Yeah, uh, for me next
0: is NIT champs because, to quote Jacob Capone, I'm not playing in the NIT. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, th- the big benefit here is that you do at least win something. Like you get like a trophy, but I mean, you weren't good enough to even go to Dayton and lose, but you still won something. And I think winning the NIT is more difficult than, uh, like I just going like to the Dayton, like right, losing Dayton. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's it's still pretty meh. You do get to play your last two games of Madison Square Garden, at least, because the uh, final four for the NIT is always a the garden in New York so that would be cool uh like obviously it would really suck uh for the like hypothetically if this K- State team went to the NIT that actually would be pretty cool for a lot of the players on our team because they're New York natives so they'd all be playing at home yeah. granted it would still suck to not be in the it's <laughs> only tournament but that would probably at least be personally cool for them to have family like watch them but still NIT champs that's not a way that you really want a season to go. It's not really something I'd like want to hang a banner for either. No. Speaking of, we need to take down the NIT banners, like say, like, hey, we made the NIT this year. Who cares? Take they
0: them down. You like, can I, keep I, the WNIT banner when we want it.
1: Yeah, that's the only NIT banner that should be hung, is the women's team winning the WNIT. And even then, like I'm skeptical of it. But at least they won it. Like, we shouldn't have a, an NIT appearances as, as like a thing that that hangs in the rafters. I I think that's a little bit Small timey, but yeah,
0: especially because we're like what there was a graphic that came out a couple days ago. We're like number 10 or something in elite, elite elite eight appearances.
1: Yeah, yeah, we are. Uh, 13, I think, is what we have, which is crazy to think about. Side tangent, because we have like 13 elite elite eight appearances, but we've only made the final four uh, four times, so we've only made the national championship once, and that. Uh, that's pretty crazy to think about. Granted, a lot of those Elite Eight appearances, or at least some of them, came back when I think the field the was only 8 or 16 teams. Like, back in the early days in the NCAA tournament, they used to have a much smaller field. So, it only expanded out to, like, 32 or 64 in, like, the 80s, I think. So, there is that. But we still have made some Elite Eights where, like, it actually you had to win a few games to get there. So, but but still, I mean... That's a uh, uh, pretty remarkable, especially when you saw the teams that we were like on the list with. Like, yeah. it's kind of surprising. Like, even people in the comments were like, k State's on here? Like, what do like, they do here?" You're damn and right. It's like you know, what? I'm a State fan, and I'm also a little bit surprised. Yeah, I, I
0: was like, I didn't know that. But Yeah. Um, the The next little brick, I think, was probably the most difficult part of it. But for me, I think I'm probably gonna go round of 32 and then loss, because like th- this brick, I really is kind of a coin flip and it would probably change on a day-to-day basis. Like to me, I I don't know. It's just like the round of 32 doesn't, it just doesn't like you won a game. Congratulations. But it doesn't really like resonate with me. It's kind of like those like, Oh, you beat like a doo-doo team. Now you had to play someone actually like decent and Oh, you lost. That's a shame. But I could hear arguments for switching this and like the next one on the, at least I assume that we're in agreement if you're not flipping it for what the next one would be either way.
1: And I'm with you. These two are also very difficult for me because I assume we're talking about the round of 32 in the big 12 tournament here. Yeah. And the round of 32, you win an NCAA tournament game, which is not easy to do at any seed line uh, except for one versus 16, unless you're Virginia. But the the flip side of that coin is that you get to win the national title for the next season, so you do get that benefit. But winning the Big Twelve tournament is a really difficult accomplishment because uh, you have to win like three games in three days or four games in four days if you're one of the opening teams. I don't know if one of those teams has ever actually won the Big Twelve tournament, though. Is the thing like one of those like uh, first uh, like play in games of the bracket like. I don't think any of those teams ever actually won the tournament. Maybe I might be wrong.
0: I can't think of any. Then again, I I'm stupid. So
1: now nah, I can't either, but my Big 12 tournament knowledge is pretty limited. Um, I I I think I lean towards putting the Big 12 tournament here because especially maybe the modern Big 12, because more often than not, the team that's going to win the big 12 tournament is going to the by tournament anyways. Like mm-hmm. if this was like a smaller school, I think winning that conference tournament would mean a lot more because it's definitely harder fought and then smaller conference. A lot of times that's the only bid to the tournament. So I'm probably in big 12 tournament here, but I could very easily be convinced of the round of 32, I think. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that, that was a pretty close one for me but I'm playing big 12 tournament here.
0: Yeah. So basically we've matched so far, except for flip in the, like in the what five spot or something, flip big 12 tournament and flip round of 32. Um, Next one I think is, this was another one that I think was kind of hard, but I'm going to go sweet 16 just because like you're, you're getting there to me and uh, you know, I, you can kind of tell how much weight, to, not to spoil the next one, but to spoil the next one, it's Big 12 champs. That's how much value that I, I put on Big 12 regular season champs. Like that's the one that people care about. And considering how difficult the Big 12 is, I genuinely think it is considerably more difficult and more impressive to be the Big 12 regular season champs than it is to make it to the Sweet 16. And that's no disrespect to the NCAA tournament. The Big 12 in the regular season is a literal meat grinder that no one survives. So I think that's kind of why I'm going to go Sweet 16 and then Big 12 regular season champs.
1: So the order so far, as I recall, um, is Dayton and Loss. Yep. Then the round of 64, 64, then the NIT champ. Mm -hmm. Then after that, I had. Big 12 tournament, and then round of 32. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, round of 16, or Sweet 16, uh, naturally comes after that. Um, So I'm throwing it there. There wasn't much consideration for me with the Big 12 tournament championship, because I think I value that even more than you, maybe, based off of what you were saying, because I think you're putting it next after the Sweet 16. I might be putting it higher. No, I'm
0: putting it like ahead of the Sweet 16. So like it's in between only 8 and Sweet 16.
1: Oh yeah, I mean I'm putting it higher than that. Oh, and oh. Yeah. I have that's the K-State specific thing. I do have reasoning for it. But yours is not wrong. Like, uh-huh. like I just have like a very I'll put it like this. If we advance past the Elite Eight, I think that maybe my champs would then go down in value. But there's a reason that right now I value the regular season championship more. But back to Sweet 16. We've gone here before. Um, recently, uh, twice since 2010, uh, we've been in the Sweet 16. Hopefully, we can get back there this year, knock on wood. Um, but I mean, once you get to that point in the tournament, that's where everybody starts to really take notice. I think, with the exception of if you get like a massive upset, uh, people will notice that. But, um, no, Sweet 16 is where you really start to get your great teams that emerge and you're like cinderellas that are really making their runs uh so there there's a, a lot of really value with the sweet 16 i won't linger on it for too long because i think most of the discussion is gonna be for the next few
0: yep so for me it goes sweet 16 big 12 championship and then elite eight
1: for me it's a uh, sweet 16 elite eight and then big 12 championship then i imagine we both do final four than natty so yeah natty uh, no actually final
0: four over the natty
1: of course but obviously Natty's at the top uh, of the list final four right before that but then our main point of contention is that we have the elite eight and the big 12 championship flipped so you you argue first and i'll argue again then you can Robots, if you feel like it, I guess. I don't know if you care,
0: but. <laughs> so for me, the reason why I'm going to go Elite Eight and then Big 12 is, yes, you get the or or uh, Big 12 and then Elite Eight is because, yeah, you get the the recognition of winning the Big 12, which is considered near universally correctly to be the most difficult like basketball conference in the country. And, you know, obviously it's a massive deal. It's a big deal. And it's a meat grinder that everyone in this conference, like you you don't really get it until you either watch every Big 12 game or you are a fan of the team in this conference. With that being said, I think the national attention that comes with winning an Elite Eight is overall just slightly better for the brand of of K-State. Plus, I... You could say I, I think the biggest counter to to K State, like as a fan, and the thing I get most annoyed with is like, okay, you can have success in XYZ conference. Like, what's your national like recognition? Which is why the the Natty and the Natty argument doesn't make me angry. It's just kind of annoying to me. Because like I don't care if you have some like random track guy in the nineteen forties. Like when like I don't care that you won a bit like that you won a national title when track was segregated i'm sorry i don't care but yeah. I, I i think the national recognition that comes with getting an elite eight makes it slightly more preferable than a big 12 championship it, and it's something that i could be convinced about as well but that's kind of my reasoning
1: my Stance with the big 12 regular season champ and rightful championship because big 12 tournament doesn't make you big 12 champion. No Uh, big 12 regular season champ. um, I put that over the elite eight primarily just because of how difficult it has been for K-State to break through the elite eight. So making it to the elite eight and losing has devalued it for me because we've done that nine of the 13 times. So we've gone to the elite eight. So that's why I value the big 12 regular season championship over it, because I do think that ultimately leaves a bigger mark on a season. um, Unless you just completely screw up at the beginning of like the NCAA tournament. But I mean, that's what gets you hardware. You get a trophy, you get a ring um, and that's big. And that means that you played really good throughout an entire season. Um, And I don't think there's much argument that, The 2018-2019 K-State basketball team was a better team, like, top to bottom than the 2017-2018 team. It's just that the 17-18 team uh, happened to get hot at the right time uh, and was able to make do without Dean Wade, whereas Dean Wade getting hurt really derailed that 18-19 team. Um, But... I, I I value that Big 12 championship a bit more than the Elite Eight appearance and loss, but the fin- if the Final Four appearance is so much further uh, in value, like much much higher in value. Like there's a massive 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 gap between Big 12 champions and winning the Final Four for me, or getting to the Final Four, I should say. Oh yeah, um, because. The Elite Eight has just kind of been that like like last door or one of the last doors that we've just not been able to get through because we haven't made the Final Four since 1964. I think is what it was. Like it has been a very long time since it's been 60 years uh, since we uh, made the uh, made the Final Four, Um, and we've made the Elite Eight. Uh, several times since then, I think at least four, because we made it in 2010, we made it in 2018, and we made it at least twice in the 80s, because I know the Rolando Blackman team that beat Oregon State made it, and then the uh, Long Kruger coached Mitch Richmond team made it, uh, then lost to KU, and they went on to win the national title, and that's when those two programs really diverged. Um, in terms of quality was that 88 season, but going back to uh, 1964, um, we only had to win two games to make it to the, uh, uh, the final four. Uh, we went 22 and seven that year, 12 and two in conference play. Um, and we, uh, we swept KU that year as well. We beat them at home and in Lawrence. Then we beat UTEP in round one beat Wichita State in round two. And we played UCLA in the final four and lost. And then I think must have played like a consolation game against Michigan and didn't win that. So I think they used to do consolation games back in like the 60s because people cared about that stuff back then. But obviously nobody cares about it now. Yeah. Like like, (laughs) if you get there and you lose, you don't want to play in a stupid third place game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, It it just doesn't matter. But I mean, UCLA was a buzzsaw back then. They probably won the Natty that year because they won it like every year back then. But I mean, that was the last time that we made it that far. And that's why just making it to the Elite Eight, to me, isn't more valuable than a Big 12 championship. Uh, just because I, I think winning the Big 12, especially with having to get through KU and Baylor and Texas, next year it'll be Houston and uh, all of these other really great teams, uh, now TCU all of a sudden, and Iowa State all of a sudden, Oklahoma State possibly could break through. Uh, tech maybe if they continue to figure it out. OU is leaving and also not good, so they're the lone exception there. But, yeah, <laughs> um, winning the Big Twelve is so hard, and getting to the Elite Eight is also really hard. And but we have done it, and we have shown that we can really kind of stumble to the Elite Eight and just kind of grit our teeth and find a way to get there. Um, But breaking through and getting to the Final Four is really the crown jewel right now, I think, for K-State. I think that's where our sights need to be set, uh, is finding a way to make Final Fours and break through that Elite Eight barrier that we've just not been able to, to find a way where even when the stars align, we're just not quite able to make it past that last hurdle before we really get to the big game yeah
0: and, and then after that of course final four and then natty uh if we if yeah. we win a natty i i'm not gonna lie to you i may not be sober for a couple days
1: <laughs> yeah and the last time we made the natty that was 1951 i think that was the ernie barrett team yeah we went to the title we lost to by 10 to kentucky Uh, Wasn't that the
0: the Kentucky team that had like their entire roster was not eligible?
1: (laughs) I seem to remember hearing that there was like a lot of eligibility issues um, with that Kentucky team. Um, I don't know if that's true. It wouldn't shock me, but I (laughs) I I remember hearing that at the very least. But we've only uh, that was the only title game we've ever made. We made the final four in like forty eight fifty one because of the title. Uh, then fifty eight and sixty four, uh, so I, I'm not really sure um, about that Kentucky thing though. I, be, I I think you're right though. I, I did hear that, um, and I don't really care about Tulane in Kentucky, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, that I I don't think that your view on that is invalid because making the lead eight is super super hard, uh, and. That it is right there the Big Twelve title, and I think if we broke through and made a Final Four, maybe I would value making the Elite Eight a bit more if we could prove that we could like really like get past it. But winning the conference is a pretty big deal, and maybe if the Big Twelve declined a bit, I'd value that a little less. Even mm-hmm. like I don't see that happening anytime soon. I think we're going to see a continued uptick uh, in the Big Twelve as its reputation grows. I think it's just going to be a really valuable commodity, and but I. I right now I got to value the uh the title the conference title over the elite eight appearance, but that's subject to change based on future events.
0: Yeah, but upon upon further review, we'll review this question like I don't know six months and then we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But that is the Scott Wildcat question. Thank you so much. Next question is from our friends over at the 1012 network. If you could guarantee one Kansas State team success, but at the cost of another, what would you pick? For example, football wins a national title, but it means that men's basketball wins five games. So, And you can't pick an already bad sport. So we got to put a handicap on this because the easy answer would be sacrifice literally every other squad. And I do mean every other squad for men's basketball and football. Because like I, that's a trade that I would make in a heartbeat. It would suck because we cover the non-revs, but at the same time, I don't. I don't care if we're winning Natties. Yeah.
1: I could probably live off the happiness of a couple Natties a year in exchange for the souls of the other non-revs. So. Yeah.
0: So to me, I I kind of separate it into revs and non-revs. I wouldn't trade one success in the rev sports for uh, the other. If it were last year, I like I don't want to, like if this were last year or two years ago, I in a heartbeat would have traded the men's basketball team for the football team. And I, I don't think I would have thought twice about that. However, I don't want to see Jerome Tang or the team he's built fail. That's how much I love them. So to me, I would sacrifice just about every other non-rev except for women's basketball for the Batcats to win. A national title in Omaha to win the college world series. And I'm sorry, volleyball, soccer, rowing, and uh track. What else oh. am I missing? Golf. Ooh. Yeah, both golfs, women's tennis, and men's tennis. I'm sorry. You all suck now. Batcats are
1: going to Omaha. <laughs> I'm tr- I think I would probably sacrifice Batcats or volleyball for the other. Like if I could guarantee the success of one of those programs being good, I think I would be fine sacrificing the other. Um, you could contend the bad cats are bad, so it shouldn't count, but volleyball is coming off a not so great season. So like maybe we can pick a bad sport for a bad sport. Uh, if, that, if that's fair, I guess um, like guarantee the success of volleyball. Um, I think part of it is that I think volleyball being successful in its new arena would be really cool. Yeah. Um, like having sellouts in that uh, new place, uh, I think that'd be pretty great. Get our money's worth out of a new arena and training facility and really get some fantastic talent uh, into Manhattan. Win a few volleyball natties. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, Other than that, um, probably, like you said, sacrifice like a lot of the non-revs for uh, football. Or I, I don't think I could like. I don't know if I have it in me to sacrifice a sport or to sacrifice men's basketball for another sport right now, because yeah, I think I, I just I don't. I think I couldn't do that to Jerome Tang. Like, I think he just cares too much. Like, outwardly, I I don't think I could do it. I'd I'd feel way too bad. Um, I don't think I could sacrifice football for anything either. Oh no. Um, so a lot of it would be trading non-revs for other non-revs, um, or sacrificing multiple non-revs for one other non-rev or maybe men's one basketball. One super success. non-rev. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's a few different perspectives to take there. Uh, I don't know if it fully answers the question. Um, like, and I, I don't think it'd be fair to package all like the like non-revs that people don't really pay attention to, and be like, oh, I'm going to make the golf team suck for football to like win a national title. Like that, yeah. that's not really equivalent. But Cause so,
0: the the easy answer would be sacrifice every single non-rev and just push it into rev.
1: Yeah, like which may happen anyways but yeah <laughs> it, um i i i'm not really sure on uh, total but i would love to see the volleyball team um have some success under a new coaching regime and a new arena i think this is a unusually good opportunity for the volleyball team to emerge um and really take a step forward um with everything's kind of lining up to really start a new era at the right time So hopefully we can take advantage of that.
0: Yeah, hopefully, because that'd be, especially the new head coach. But that is, uh, thank you so much, Jeff, from the ten twelve. Next up is Joel Anderson. What grade do you give the new sandstorm we saw on Tuesday? We touched on it a little bit in our uh, weekly recap episode, but we also kind of saved the majority of the discussion for this one because we knew this would be a question. For me, I would give it a good, like, solid B+. And if it were just sandstorm itself, it would have gotten an A plus from me, because the song playing, the lights dimming and turning off with the um, with the the cell phone flashlights, I think that looks sick. And I saw an angle of the student section because we did the whole. Uh, if you've ever watched like some teams do football kickoff, you see the sideline like wave back and forth to one another. Like we were doing that in the student section, I saw an angle of that. I thought that looked awesome. If it's just sandstorm and the event around it itself, it's an A plus. I just don't like the fact that we did it with twelve minutes left in the game. Like I, that's it. Like if we did that exact same thing with like six minutes or less, A plus easily. But given the timing of it, I'm going to give it eh, maybe B plus is a little harsh. I'll give it like an A minus.
1: Yeah, A minus was where I was at for pretty similar reasons. Because I do remember seeing that sandstorm like was starting like right at the right before they went to ad break. You could hear it starting. Um, and I was like, it's a little early for, for sandstorm. I, I was a little bit surprised they executed it perfectly. Like you said, I, it was as far as I can tell, probably the best sandstorm that has ever been had. Um, I, I mean, I, I of course was not there for some of the early versions of it. Like when Bramlage was really nuts. Um, but I, I would say, yeah, an A minus, maybe an A timing. I think is a big thing that you touched on that I agree with. The timing is off Um, going back through the game. I don't know if there was a better time to do it. Like, I don't know if there would have been a better time down the stretch at all to do it, but I, I, I I still thought it was executed really well. Um, Maybe there's going to be a really great time against uh, OU this Wednesday um, to get it done. Um, That would be awesome. Uh, Because I want to send off the seniors with a fantastic environment and a big win uh, because they deserve it. But, yeah, that that was pretty incredible. And all the videos going around of it on Twitter were awesome. Made me wish I was there. (laughs) I am so, so jealous of – I I told you before this year I really wish I could stay for another year because I felt like it was going to be a big sports year. Uh, Granted, it's been much better than I thought it would be. And I thought it was (laughs) going to be a great year. but. Um I I'm very jealous of everybody that gets to go and watch all these great sports teams day in and day out, like just a mile away from wherever it is they're staying on campus. So yeah. Uh pretty awesome time to be a K-State student uh and a fan of athletics.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's not awesome. It's a great day to be a wildcat.
1: E Maw.
0: E Ma. Wheat is better than co anyway. <laughs> Thank you so much, Joel. Next question's from Casey Doyle. Y'all have a solid meme game. Thank you. Do either of you guys have a favorite K-State meme of all time? Oh, that's actually kind of a toughie. The first one that instantly came to my mind when I read this was the Lazy River. The, the Lazy River. I'm not sure if that's a specific, like, Cats meme, though. The Lazy River connecting all the Big 12 schools. Uh, that
1: was a big Go Emo thing back in the day. Um, I didn't frequent Goema, but I was on there occasionally, and there was a lot of Lazy River references when I was there. Yep. Uh, so that that has been a Goema thing for a long time. I don't know if it's still active over there, but that that's like probably the only free K State message board, and it's exactly what you'd think. And <laughs> it's an interesting place. And uh, I, that that was I I think Go is the uh, origin site of the um lazy river thing that's also the origin place of uh octagon of doom um i think that nickname originated on goema uh or at the very least from i think maybe KSU fan maybe started it i don't remember exactly um there there's some sort of stories one of those two entities maybe both are involved um but goema is a as a that's a pretty important space in uh, K k-state lore i guess yeah
0: uh, another contender is Fargo Gene, because Connor and I, every single time a hire is made, we jokingly say is like he went to Fargo once and is like, damn it, Fargo Gene, you've He's done it again. It. <laughs>
1: Fargo Gene, back at it again. But uh, Yeah. Uh, Style go, Boys. Yeah,
0: Style Boys. Like, uh, that's iconic. Unfortunately, that one's not ours. We just, yeah. I think by proxy, it became ours because we just kept posting it. That's an Ozzy yeah, meme. Yeah. and we Dude, we, yeah, we, we, didn't, we didn't make it. Yeah. We didn't make it. We asked Ozzy if that like could become our thing, and he said yes. And that's been like our one of three interactions we've had with Ozzy Was asking Ever. if we could use Style Boys,
1: and he, and he said like, yes,
0: and then we did it.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was like, "Yeah, I don't care." But <laughs> and so when we did. But other than that, um, the uh, current Doomtane Clan one is solid. I think um it's it hasn't been doing numbers like uh um Wiggity Wax does uh, which is a shame. Yeah. Um the uh Willy template is really good. We haven't been using that one too much, but That's it. That's uh, from Nathan. Remember? Yeah, Nathan, Nathan took that took a pic- Yeah, Nathan <laughs> took that picture and uh we uh collectively made that into a template. I um, mean, and it, was it was went it, around a bit.
0: Was it Will Dubois that made the first edit? That was the bodies are buried under Bramlage.
1: It might have been. I think I I don't remember actually, but um I I think he may have. And uh, yeah that that that's a really good one. Other than that, uh, there's plenty of uh, uh really good like player memes um that that have been made by plenty of members of the uh K.C. community. Uh, too many to name. I think right now the um nine a.m. one is one that I. I made that I really like. I th- was either me or you. Did you? Did you or I make that one?
0: You made the the nine a.m. meme where like you, the, your team has died at nine a.m. Yeah. this morning. I'm the one who made the for whom the bell tolls. Oh,
1: that's nine right. a.m. That's right. That's right. That's right. Those are both classics. Um,
0: the K State um... Marxist University.
1: Oh yeah yeah yeah. I forgot about that one. um uh, The <laughs> Uh, that whole th- the the K State Marxist University that that was a all time K State Twitter day well. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> like, like that was a day for the ages on K State Twitter when whoever I don't even remember who it was who uh, was complaining about K State being a liberal parentheses Marxist university. <laughs> and anyone who's
0: been here just knows why that's funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that's a fascinating take wrong but definitely interesting <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i i think we could probably stop the list there because we could go on for a while oh, on yeah. uh best case state memes but that that's a pretty solid uh, contingent right there
0: the last one i'll say is the uh the smiling or crying Willie from k-state man oh yeah uh, that's, that's the last one i'll say. say uh thank you so much casey next is from greg wagner at a period uh, at this time, it appears Cat's Hoops will have two open scholarships for 23-24 with a very nice incoming freshman class and uh, red shirts. What, if any, positions do you expect the staff to focus on adding through the transfer portal this spring? Uh, for me, I'm going to go with a solid forward to try and marginally replace what KJ does. You're not going to replace KJ fully. You're just you just not. But you're you have to hope that you can find someone who can – do half of what he does and then hope someone else can pick up the other half on roster. And then to me, the other one is a, a big, like just a big basically, because uh, we are losing Bebe. I'm not sure if Gasson is back. I think he might he is, be. Yeah. Okay. Gassan
1: Gasan has more eligibility. Yeah.
0: Okay. But I, I'd still look for a defensive big to kind of replace Bebe Cause Jarrell Colbert, while he did have the five blocks up against Washburn, he's sort of an unknown commodity and I just have a sneaking suspicion that he's a better offensive big. I don't, I, I have nothing to back that up. I could be wrong and stupid. Uh, (laughs) but I, I, I'd look for, I'd look for a guy to replace what KJ does like at the wing or like as a a forward and then a, um, a big, that's what I do at least Connor.
1: Um there's a few decent options uh that that we can consider here. Um yeah, Jerome Colbert did have those five blocks. Uh can't for and did in 9 minutes and uh which is just hilarious and then I think he had a couple dunks to uh give with it but um I think one thing to consider is a ball handler, a veteran ball handler cuz we're losing Marquis Noel and beyond him we don't really, and then Desi as well, so there's not really going to be a ball handler other than Day-Day Ames um, for next year, and while I do really like day Ames, I don't want to put the trust of the entire offense into uh, a true freshman, so I would like it if we could go out and get, at the very least, a uh, um, guy that can come in and like, fill in. Ideally, you could go in and get uh, a guy that can come in and start and allow day Day to learn and grow without having to carry the load uh, fully. So I I'd love that. Um, a big would be nice. Um, other than that, I think you're probably looking at best player available. Yeah. Um, I, I think your first need is ball handler slash maybe defensive big, depending on how we feel on Taj Manning and drill Colbert. Um, but Beyond that, maybe just a instant impact, high-level transfer. Go out, find a guy that can just get, get you a lot of points night in, night out because you have a lot of scoring to replace. And try and find a known commodity that can do a lot for you offensively. I know that's kind of vague, but whoever, whoever we can get that fits that description or mold, I don't really care what position they are. I don't care if it's like a seven-footer uh, or... 5'7 guy again if we, yeah. if we can go back to the state of Arkansas and get another uh, small point guard for all I care so long as we can sure. find someone that can produce at a high level yeah. and uh, really do some good for this team I think that the experience of having Keith and KJ as uh, very high level transfers uh, that do really good things uh, and, and get incorporated early and often um, should help us in the transfer portal in the offseason uh, I think we're done at high school level, unless like some like five star just says, "Hey, I'd like to come to K State," and, and then we, we would probably say, "Okay, okay. But, <laughs> sure, welcome." But I don't think that's happening this year. So, um probably look to add a point in the transfer portal. Probably look to add a post player in the transfer portal, and then you're looking at who is really good and wants to play basketball at K State. After that point, and uh, just. See uh who you can kind of latch into. Uh, probably want a shooter. Um, somebody that is consistent a consistent offensive presence and can do a lot as a high level talent.
0: I agree. So thank you for that, Greg. Uh, next question is from Chase Miller. What would be the most interesting or odd matchup in the NCAA tournament for cats and men's basketball? Well, if we play Xavier again, I may not be able to be reached for several days um outside of that like interesting i would enjoy playing nevada again just because i think that would be i think nevada is good and i always i'm a sucker for non-conference rematches against teams that you know are good so we won't be seeing lsu in uh in baton rouge in the town that was so nasty katrina avoided it but i'm sorry i'm still angry at lsu (laughs) but (laughs) but yeah I, i i think that's it me, yeah. huh? Nevada,
1: LSU is definitely not making the tournament.
0: Uh, oh, shame! What a shame! And I'm they the, are, the by the
1: way, <laughs> they are two and 14 in uh SEC play right now. They that's won right. their first game and they won their second most recent game, and they sandwiched that with a 13 game losing streak in conference play. Good, yeah, I agree. They did beat Vanderbilt at home uh, recently, that's about it. Um, but yeah, So, LSU is not going to be a problem. Um, but yeah, um, getting Nevada again, they've been pretty solid this year uh, 22 and 7, 12 and 4 in uh Mount West. Uh, they've been good. Uh, so that would be a potentially fun matchup. Um, interesting. Yeah, Xavier would be one. Uh, I'd say Wisconsin because we played them a lot in the tournament, but Wisconsin may not make it. They're 16 and 12, 8 and 10 in the conference and Big Ten. Uh, so it, it's not looking like they're gonna make it at this point in time. Um, I'm not really sure uh what the what their net ranking is or anything right now, but it, it seems like they're on the outside looking in at this point that they just lost to Michigan. Uh so probably not making it, but yeah, the Xavier B1, because I that K-State Xavier Sweet 16 games, one of, like the most iconic in tournament games to ever be played. A lot of that's because of the Gus Johnson call. Uh, and it went to double overtime granted that double overtime probably cost us the elite eight against butler and i truly think that 2010 team had a shot to make it to the uh national title game uh, and would have put up a a good fight at least but yeah that that, that's a few but um i don't know i'm i'm fine playing whoever's in front of us really yeah i don't really care
0: i don't think there's a team that k-state just straight doesn't stand a chance against in the tournament
1: yeah especially considering how we thought we were screwed against (laughs) baylor like we had completely written off any possibility of winning against baylor at home this past weekend uh because i think our our stance like after we lost to ou was against iowa state baylor oklahoma state we were probably gonna go one and two and we won all three yeah (laughs) And we we were like we don't think we're going to be Baylor. There's no shot. We probably don't beat Oklahoma State, so we would have just been happy with with Iowa State. But we end up getting all three. And I think in the last three games have shown that K State, when focused and at full potential, could probably beat almost anybody. Mm-hmm. Purdue terrifies me just because they're seven foot four guy. I don't know how we would actually stop him. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think the only option. Baby, is cut to- his knees yeah pretty much <laughs> like or like have like he's not you know? on his
0: ankles or something
1: I yeah yeah have i have, have keys like punch him in the abdomen or something <laughs> i don't know or like jump up and like slap him i don't <laughs> um realistically the only way i think that we would have a shot against purdue is hope that they have a bad shooting day which maybe and then pretty much double team edd the entire time and have naquan uh, uh guard him on the front and just try and do ball denial because he has really long arms, and just don't let the ball get in. And if the ball does get in, just have Keese basically run at him and swat the ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's that basically That's be our best may shot.
0: Maybe a good uh, maybe a good candidate for that then because yeah, he f- has ridiculous arms.
1: He does. He has like a six eleven or seven foot wingspan or something like that. He's like six four. Like he's got super long arms, so he actually would be pretty good at that. Um. So he could get some spot minutes there and be useful. Hopefully we just don't have to play Purdue though. Yeah, first that'd place. be cool. I mean, I are playing them in the natty. Yeah, I, I guess that's fair, but we'll see. We'll see. Zachy, you'll probably be national player of the year. Um, yeah. And I'd rather just not deal with that. Personally.
0: <laughs> I agree. All right. The last set of questions is from Evan D. Shananilak. And that is first question. Did Connor play any part in ace coming to K-State? Coming here, not really, Um, but growing my K-State fandom, absolutely. And obviously, being a part of the show has been a part of it, but even before then, Connor and I would just talk K-State sports for several hours at a time. Like, everything that I know, or not everything, but like 95% of what I know about the history of K-State sports is from conversations with Connor. So, like, I definitely... Like, he didn't play a role in getting me here. Like, obviously, the fact that he was here was nice because I like my friends. But, you know, it, it. he definitely played more a role in making me the K-State fan I am today.
1: I'm a recruiter at heart, yeah. I guess. I should yeah, change yeah. my answer for earlier. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a strategist. I'm a recruiter.
0: <laughs> uh, next question is favorite soup. Uh, like a good, a good baked potato soup, like extra cheesy, a little bit of bacon in there, maybe a few chives, but like just a, a good baked potato soup for me.
1: I know this is a lazy answer, but a classic chicken noodle's pretty good. Um, I don't know if it counts. Actually, I'm thinking about it. I like pho. Um, okay, like that that's pretty good. I don't know if that counts as a soup. I actually, I think it does. It's yeah, I would count it. Yeah, that, that that's a soup. It's not like I'm talking about like chili or anything weird like that. Yeah, actually, it's crazy, but yeah. All right.
0: (laughs) Um, Next question. This is another one of my favorites. Outside of K-State, rank the teams in the Big 12 by how fine you'd be with them winning the the 2023 Big 12 championship. So at the very bottom for me is the absolutely not tier, Uh, (laughs) which the absolutely not tier is really just one school. And that's Texas. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to smell it. i It's awful to me. That would suck. Um, the next tier is the absolutely not, but I guess, like, if given time to cope with it, I could deal with it. And that is KU and Iowa State. I just don't want to hear it anymore from either of them because I, I live in Kansas and have friends that go to KU. Which, by the way, it was very funny whenever we beat KU. Like, I'm sure this was on your Snapchat story as well. Every KU fan just posted a picture of them winning the Natty. Like, that affected the fact that they, we beat them. <laughs> but, like, ap- after that, for me, is a bunch of schools that I'm like, okay, whatever. And that's probably TCU, um, TCU, Baylor. Oklahoma. Um CCU Baylor, Oklahoma. West Virginia. West Virginia. I think that, that's I don't think I I'm think mis- it. Yeah. yeah it, and then the the others the other two schools, I'm like, yeah, I'd be I'd I'd be happy for them. And that's gonna be Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. Because like outside of Texas Tech's baseball fan base, which we've had very poor interactions with. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the the i I like oklahoma state i think oklahoma state k-state and texas tech are kind of kindred spirits iowa state's begrudgingly in the same list but k-state and iowa state obviously have the beef from farmageddon and uh, iowa state may well have one of the worst twitter fan bases in in the league uh they may well i don't know who cows competes um yeah, I'd be happy for Tech and Oklahoma State if they won the Big 12 championship.
1: Yeah, honestly, I think my tier list is probably the same. Like, I hate to copy, but, like, I don't know what change I'd make. Uh, in the past, I might have put TCU higher, but honestly, they've really slid down my power rankings in terms of my personal, like, Big 12 preferred programs. Like, yeah. The last year or so, uh, their fan base has been pretty annoying. And also, they hired uh, Kendall Bryles, which I know is not basketball, but like it's making my general opinion of the university slip a little yeah. bit. So, um, that I guess is my current thoughts uh, on TCU. But otherwise, they would be up in that top tier because I used to like them a lot more when they first joined the Big 12, uh, just because they were also purple. So I, I felt like we had a connection there and we generally played good games when we played them. Yeah. Plus we Uh, have,
0: we have, we've had friends that played down at TCU. One still does. I think Chase is, I don't think he's graduated yet.
1: Oh, interesting. Um, um, I thought, I thought he would have graduated by now. Um, I, yeah, I, 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 I'd probably put Oklahoma state and tech up in that top tier. Um, they obviously aren't going to win the big 12 this year, but uh and Texas is without a doubt at the bottom. KU would be, but like nothing really changes if they win. Like they would just gloat as they normally would and there wouldn't be a whole lot to say about it and that 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 basically be business as usual. So it, it wouldn't be anywhere near as annoying as Texas winning because I would hate for one of the uh departing schools to win in a major sport uh, right before they leave for the SEC. That would be really 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 annoying yeah so i'd rather they're just not uh, yeah, I, I
0: i agree with you i i don't want them to succeed in anything
1: yeah uh that's my thought on that i i prefer they never succeed
0: <laughs> uh next question any favorite bat cats or women's casketball traditions you do well uh for me personally the the bat tradition i do is i'm very loud i'm very obnoxious and i heckle people um my proudest moment in probably my life happened oh was it last year or two years ago
1: been last year
0: yeah it, it was last year where it was some random it was like one of our first games of the year and a pitcher nearly hit one of our players and he had like literally a 21 era and i said your era is old enough to drink and you're trying to hit people what's wrong with you and i got like an audible laugh from the entire stadium that is probably my proudest moment but i can't confirm
1: that 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 sounds like a made-up story like it sounds like a and everybody clapped story but it actually <laughs> did happen like, like yeah. i was there like and i would tell i would say if he was lying because like i i would i would totally do that but no I, like there was an audible bloody laugh and i was like oh fascinating <laughs> i'm surprised they heard him because we were sitting down the right field line oh yeah
0: we <laughs> were sitting on the right field i, I
1: I think how, sound how travels is, to
0: that man. stadium way better than you'd think.
1: I, I think you're probably right. Cause I think I'm used to thinking it doesn't because for a long time, whenever the PA would like, whenever Mitch would talk over the PA, you just would not be able to hear anything. Yeah. They no speakers. <laughs> yeah. Um, um Back at traditions. um, We enjoy good home runs, uh, stand up and uh, we raise the roof um whenever there's to a pump it up don't you know pump it up yeah, that's a song that they uh play on or at least they did last year uh they, they had a different one again. the year before so they may have a different one this year uh we'll find out here pretty soon but women's basketball we don't really have any traditions for that um i think it's because there's already men's basketball so any traditions for that uh it like somewhat carries over um like anything but, but we don't have anything particular really, but baseball kind of lends itself to making your own stuff to do because there's a lot of downtime. So yeah. you kind of have to find ways to fill the void. Uh, so I, I think that allows for, for more tradition making and whatnot, like on an individual level. So that, that's something I've always liked about uh back Yeah.
0: Next question. If you could pick one player from the 2022 big 12 champs to join the chiefs, who would it be? Even if it's unrealistic. Like the thing is, both of my answers would be realistic because I have an answer for the heart and I have an answer for the mind. My heart is Deuce Vaughn. My mind is Julius Brents because for as solid, like as quietly solid as the DB room was for KC, especially down the stretch, I think that K-State really needs a lot of length on the outside. And I think the perfect like scheme fit for... The like the Spagnolo offense where you're going to put a lot of guys on islands because you're sending everyone on God's green earth on a blitz would be Julius friends because you know it he can get burnt just a tiny bit, but he has the arm length to break up the pass anyway. Like he's not gonna be I, I think his biggest weakness is probably he's a little stiff when he's in off coverage. And he's not the greatest at playing the ball in the air, which is such a weird thing for him to be bad at with like a wingspan that literally sets senior bowl records. But I, I think Julius Brents would be an amazing scheme fit in Kansas city. And I think he's probably going to go a lot sooner than people think that's a, probably going to be bonus alley cats content. By the way, soon is ranking the the draft, like where we think people are going to go for, for K state. So look to the YouTube channel for that. But yeah, I. Uh, oh no, wait. Just general Big Twelve. That's what the bonus content was. We'll do draftability just in general. But what about you, Connor?
1: Um, I'd, it'd be hard for me to pick someone where I wouldn't uh, want them to join the Chiefs. Um, but I am also going to restrict this, uh, which I think you were doing too, for just draft eligible or younger guys that declared. Um, as opposed to just like anybody. Um, but I think for me, I'm going to say Felix. Um, I think it'd be especially cool for him. Again, this is more of a heart than a mind thing, uh, being a Kansas city, Missouri native, uh, to end up on the Kansas city chiefs, especially with the draft in Kansas city. Uh, I think the stars are to be aligning for Felix to end up with Kansas city in that regard. Um, obviously Deuce would be awesome and the chiefs would sell a ton of Deuce Vaughn jerseys, uh, to if he got drafted to the Chiefs,
0: can you imagine Andy Reid giving Deuce Vaughn? Man,
1: that would be pretty sweet. Like, I I don't know if like that's like I was just trying to like rationalize it, or if it really would be like pretty great. If it's a bit of both, uh, I think it's probably a bit of both. Bit um, of both. But that would be pretty awesome um, to um, for Andy Reid to find uh, new and creative ways to utilize Deuce Vaughn uh ways that we weren't able to find in three years on imagine match and then Colin Klein can steal those ideas and use them for someone else which would he be use, awesome. He uses them
0: for six foot two 230 DJ
1: gigs. Or Tracehawn Ward. Um, Ward. So maybe maybe that could happen. But I'll I'll put Felix as my answer.
0: You're you're sleeping on the the new the new football transfer Narkees Moel.
1: Oh you're right. I am I am sleeping on him. Uh, he, he would be an interesting addition. Maybe he could be a uh, return guy or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, and then the
0: final question of this Q&A, is Ace still going to law school next year? Yes. Uh, same law school as Connor? Yes. So starting July-ish will yeah, be... July,
1: early August, yeah.
0: yeah will be the, the new golden age of Alley Cat's content, where we will have the Alley Cat House. Featuring yeah. live mascot maple.
1: Yeah, my cat. And yeah. we will, uh, it will it will be a golden age uh, for the Alley Cats for a year or two, depends. Yeah. Um, but uh that'll be pretty cool. There'll be a Alley keep Alley Cat's world headquarters, uh not in Manhattan, which will be ironic, but <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> in Topeka.
0: Yeah as opposed to we, the we, unprecedented we, uh, world headquarters we had before.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, well, we got to be close to the Capitol building so we can lobby for uh, related ventures, uh, uh, of course, uh, to legislators. But
0: we have to lobby for the rural development fund.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, as as part of their that's part of the deal. Them following us on Twitter now, I guess, but <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know either. But uh, do you
0: have any do you have any closing thoughts before we wrap up the episode, Connor?
1: Uh, no, I don't.
0: All I have to say is thank you guys for a thousand followers on Twitter and thank you for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. If you want to follow or contact the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Aggieville ACats and Instagram at the same handle, Aggieville ACats. If you want to email us, we're AggievilleAlleycats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I'm at AC Edwards 0, zero.
1: I am at Connor Bautz's capital C, capital B.
0: And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alleycats merch store, where you can find such designs as the staff-approved Doomtang Clan, Play Sandstorm Cowards, and Neon Alleycats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alleycats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, alley Cats.